Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Magical, enigmatical, gift of gab, super, natural, story, from the space Come, well lit. only Swedish teacher in Taiwan for the last 12 years. Yeah, I mean, is it <laughs> is it a popular language? No, but I have 20 students per year and then new students and they study for for a long time. Maybe most of them will become good friends afterwards. So. Wow, that's awesome. Th- it's a niche. It's very niche, I think. It's very no, niche. no one wants to do it. So that's good. No competition. <laughs> no. So I must be the best one because I'm the only one. <laughs> Nice. Right. Okay. okay. Sounds so, good. Sounds good like this. Yeah. Yeah, I think good. so. So we can get this party started now. Yes, let's do it. All right. So hello, ladies and gentlemen, aliens, ghosts, other supernatural beings around the world. We are here with another episode of Firelight Chats. We are here in our studio, Space Lab Studio in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan, with a very special guest. Suzanne Palm. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. Suzanne Palm is from Gothenburg in Sweden. Jotteborg. Jotteborg. Oh, that was that was pretty good. I got it. Um, <laughs> and has lived and worked in Denmark, France, Ireland, UK, and Taiwan. She has been in Taiwan for many years. I think she mentioned that she has been here. The first time was 1984. Is that right? I came as a student in 1984. Oh, wow. Okay. So she will have many stories to tell about her love of Taiwan. But we will also get into filmmaking and other artistic endeavors. Suzanne is a very artistic person. And I think we will get into all of these very interesting topics as well. So Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, 1984 coming here as a student? What was that like? Why did you come here? And why did you decide? Was that directly from Sweden? Yes. When I grew up, uh, I loved everything that about the Chinese culture. And my mother was an artist. And we had many books in our living room with the photos and paintings from China. And then I studied Chinese at Lund University in Sweden. And I was a very bad student because I am very social and I had lots of fun. I made lots of friends and I, I failed all my exams except history. <laughs> and then I, I was young, I was 22 and I was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't want to give it up. I always loved Chinese culture and I loved the language. So uh, luckily there was a, one of my teachers he, he was a Buddhist and he had just been to a Buddhist conference in Taipei and met a teacher at, from Shifan Dashue, from Shida. Mm. And that time we, we only could write letters. So he helped me to write the letter. And the teacher answered at once and said, uh, yes, of course, we have no Swedish person, no Swedish student at the moment at our language center. Welcome, <laughs> without asking for my grades or anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and one month later, I was here in Taiwan. So 
How old were you at that time? 22. Oh, wow. Okay. So at that time, had you been abroad outside of Sweden or was this also your first time abroad or your first time to Asia? Uh, my parents were teachers and my grandfather had a shipping company. So when I grew up, I was very spoiled. We traveled all over the world, oh. but never to Asia for some reason. So it was my first time in Asia when I was 22. What was Taiwan like back then? 1984, did you, I mean, because you went to Shirda, so you were in Taipei, right? So uh, what was Taipei like in 1984? Well, there was no MRT, so there were lo lots of scooters, and to go to Danzui, to go to the sea without a car, took the whole day on the bus. <laughs> oh, I see. So it's like a full day's journey to get up to Danzui. Yes. And also I feel that people are still friendly today, but people were very, very friendly that time. Almost everyone stopped me and wanted to help me or invited me to their homes or worried about me. So there were not so many foreigners that time. So, mm. yes. So how was your Chinese when you first arrived? And I couldn't say anything. I was I was I was a terrible student. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you came with no Chinese and how was the program? And did you learn quickly? Did you improve your Chinese during that time? Yes. It was kind of a shocking experience to to come to Taiwan though, because I, I spent my first night at the youth hostel and there was this old man from mainland China who who had a very Thick accent, like he said something like, uh, he, t he picked up the phone, he was like, ha 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 ha, ha 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 ha, ha 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 ha, something like that. So he, went, he meant how, of course, yeah. Oh. So, so I was really scared. <laughs> and then I, I took, it took me a long time. I, I think I walked from there to the, <laughs> to the university. And there there was some, a guy called Mike, an American guy. And then the secretary said, oh, Susan just arrived from Sweden. Maybe Mike can take care of her. So I went to Dingmei to live with Mike, and he introduced me to his friends, and then I went to study at Shida. Hmm. So Mike was Taiwanese? No, Mike was American from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but but there were not so many foreigners that time. So they said Mike had been in China a long time and in Taiwan too. So they just said, can you please take care of this Swedish girl here? Yeah, and he became a very nice friend yes and then i was uh, maybe 10 days about when i've been here for 10 days uh, i need to go to the bank because at that time there was no atm so i need to get some money from the bank of taiwan that mm. my parents had sent and on the way there i took a little rest at the shang Kashek memorial hall because i, I walked all the way from shida and to this taipei station i didn't oh, know wow. how to take the bus so i just walked <laughs> and there it was very special because there was a graduation class to take a graduation photos they were in technical class like an engineering university mm. graduation class and there were only three girls and 57 boys and they saw me a blonde girl and they just took a lot of photos with me for the graduation <laughs> book that happens a lot in asia <laughs> yeah and then one of the girls there she we couldn't really speak i just said uh, ni hao or like something like that and she said hello and then we decided we we're gonna meet at the shankashek the more the day after yeah, and I could just say like 10 or six. So maybe she said 10 and I say Ming Tian or something like that. And then we met again mm -hmm. and uh, she became like, a, I was, I shouldn't say adopted, but I got accepted into their family after mm. that. Yeah. So yeah, we are still good friends. I'm still very close to the family. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a, must be a great memory. <laughs> yeah, it's a great memory. So, so that's also one of the reasons I love Taiwan so much mm. because I feel like I, I all the whole our friends and her and 
her family down in Jai, and they were all very friendly to me. So, mm. so I had a very special experience. It was very interesting because we couldn't really communicate. So I'm sure there were lots of misunderstandings, but we right. kind of... A lot of body language. <laughs> a lot of laughter. Yeah, it's a long universal time language. ago. Yeah, it's universal <laughs> language. And also, when you, I think when you're young, it's like very easy to mm. just accept everything around you. And that time, I feel that we went down to Jai, her old home was there. Mm. And I feel that that time, Taiwan was very different from now. There were not many foreigners in the countryside. Right. Yeah, many adventures. <laughs> <laughs> How did right. you get down to Jai at that well, we, time? The train, there were trains okay. that time. Yeah, trains that time. They had that train, the one that goes all the way down the coast. Yeah, there okay. were trains, so... Uh, there have been trains in Taiwan, I think, for 150 years. So there, there was a train, though, but not so fast. I see. Okay. Took a little while. Right. So I felt I felt very much at home here because uh, I live with this very nice American guy. And then I met this girl who introduced me to her family. So I just felt at home here at mm, once. <laughs> right. Yes. So how long was this stint? In, it yeah. was six months. Okay. And then uh, I had a part in a Danish movie. Mm. 1984. So I went back to be in that movie and it actually became the movie of the year in Denmark. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So there were only nice. four actors and I was the only female actress. So it was very special. Oh, wow. So you were cast for that film while you were in Taiwan? Or? No, I was cast before. I was cast the year before. Oh, okay, okay. <gasps> I, I went to study theater and dance and journalism after high school. So yeah, I went for audition and I got it. Okay, and then you came to Taiwan, and then you found out that you had been casted. No I, no, I knew I was casted before, and oh, I went to Taiwan, okay. and I went back to film for two months. And then it became the movie of the year in Denmark. It was wonderful. Wow, that's cool. So what is this film? Is It, it must be a famous film. Well, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Denmark is... It's not a very big country, so I'm not. Right. But, but the director is quite famous, hmm. or was quite famous. It's a long time ago now. <laughs> it's cool, yeah. So at that time, I decided that I didn't like the film industry because I was, hmm. as I say, I was young and blonde, and I felt, yeah, I felt very bad as to be a woman in the film industry because it, I felt it was very fake and it was lost about how the way you look and mm. everyone should please each other. Oh, hi, we like each other, all of us. And in the theater and being a dancer, it's lots of hard work. So mm. people are more equal, I feel, and much nicer than in the film industry. Right. So I didn't want to be in the film industry. I, I just decided to do other things. And finally, I ended up working more with theater, mm. like... Theater in schools and theater with the young people, with alcoholics, with people from prison, different kinds of theater. Mm. Yes, in Sweden. And then I came back here in 1997. And then I was invited to act at a theater at one of the big theaters in Taiwan. Yeah, you talked about that a little bit before we jumped on the air, but can you tell us about this big theater company in Taiwan? Yeah, it's called, there was a producer called Tao Da Wei, David Tao, and he worked at public TV with TV shows, and then he had a, a theater for children called Ping Mm. And it's still a, they're in Kaohsiung and Taipei, and they still perform. It's still a big theater. And I met the director, Fang Guoguang. I met him in London. I was, I was in London at the festival, and he was there, and he just invited me to come. 
to Taiwan to perform. Back to Taiwan. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's that was kind of the impetus to come back. Is yes. This chance encounter and then being invited back to Taiwan. You're yes. always being invited to Taiwan. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, the, it right, the, the Chinese learning Chinese, and then yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. The second time as well. Also, I miss my Taiwanese family and my very mm. close friends. So I miss them a lot. So, but it, of course, it, it's it's a yeah, the fun of yeah. It's a, it's a coincidence. It was yeah. a Taiwanese director who asked me to exactly. come back. And his theater performed for like maybe a thousand people in the audience or eight hundred in the audience. So it was. It was really a wonderful experience because they also have like workshops at the theater. Mm. They were, had that before at least 20 years ago. And he was very humble, the dear of Hank Wogan. He said, oh, also maybe our communication was so good because my Chinese was still not so good and his <laughs> English maybe not perfect. So he said, oh, it's just a small theater and we take care of you and it's going to be fun and everyone is happy and fun and everything. And then he meant that it was just like a small place where we rehearsed <laughs> because the theater was like maybe for a thousand people. <laughs> That's not small. Yes, I remember the first time in Kaohsiung, I was actually Barbie doll, I was Barbie Wawa. That was your character. Yeah, I was a Barbie Wawa who was an anti-Barbie who, who said that a beauty is not important. Oh. Yes, I was an anti-Barbie Wawa in, in a Chinese folktale. It was very funny. Yes. And you were uh, speaking in Chinese. Yes, I was speaking in Chinese. But I didn't have so many lines in the beginning because my Chinese was so bad. Yeah, but I remember in Kaohsiung, there were so many people, and I, said, I was a little upset. I said, you said it was a small theater. He said, oh, I meant only the place where we rehearse is small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's too humble. It was a wonderful experience. Yes. Wow. So how long did you perform with this theater group? Yeah, for maybe one year or two years, something oh, wow. like that. Okay. And uh, because I, st I, st I still had connections with the theater, I worked for in Gothenburg, Göteborg. Mm. So we were this this theater in Göteborg. They invited the Taiwanese theater, Pink Word on Jitran, to perform in Sweden for oh, two weeks. I see. So there was some collaboration between the two countries. Yes, and that was the first time a children theater group performed in Sweden. So it felt kind of it was nineteen ninety nine. It felt very special. Mm, breaking ground there. Yeah, we did the Xinqing Wang, so the, the Little Prince. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, <laughs> the French play, actually. I mean, the. Yeah, but we, it was a Chinese version. It, right. Frank Wogan kind of, yeah, forgot he changed it a little. So. Okay. Like it was very funny it. because they performed in, they spoke Chinese and I spoke in Swedish, but it's a very famous story. So the audience loved it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we got lost quite a lot of press, lots of media. Yeah, it was amazing. So. On your bio, I mean, it says that you were working also in Denmark, France, Ireland, and the UK. When did this happen? Right. So actually, Ireland was like when I was, was like 20, I think. Uh, I worked on an organic goat farm. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> for, for three, four months, yes. What were you doing there? You're milking the goats? Uh, no, we, we were growing vegetables. And we had like a small shop, like an ecological shop in huh. town. And we were vegetarians. I always had this interest for uh, organic food, mm. even a long time ago. So this was really just like a summer job type of thing? Or well, there, in Europe, uh, I don't know about other places on earth, but in Europe there are lots of communities that do different things. There are like art communities, artist communities, there are farm communities, there are some strange communities maybe. Yeah, but this was actually to, to grow vegetables and, <laughs> <laughs> and to sell bread. <laughs> and Ireland is amazing. There are lots mm. of very wonderful 
friendly people in Ireland. It was in a north of County Wexford in the southeast mm. Ireland. Okay, I've only been to Northern Ireland to Belfast. It was beautiful. Yeah, Irish, Ireland. I love Ireland. It's a very special feeling. I, I love Yates, William Butler Yates. Mm, of course, WB. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I will arise and go now. Go to Innisfree to a little cabin build I have there. Clay and water's made, and I will have some peace there because peace comes dropping slow. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And Ireland was beautiful. It was just like in my dreams. I was so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Giant's Causeway. There's these huge rock formations that came out of the ocean and they're all like perfectly hexagonal but wow. it's just because of the the pressure of the shifting plates and creates this amazing kind of natural rock formation yeah, it was beautiful i think i heard of it but mm. i haven't been there wow so that was ireland what about denmark and france yeah denmark the, the movie 1984 oh that i was, see was, okay. i lived i lived in copenhagen for quite a while and France, yeah, I lived in France from being here in Taipei. Uh, I went to study for Philippe Collier. He's mm. a French theater teacher. So I was at Collier for some time. And then I worked at a small theater in the central Paris for some time. Mm. And then there is also the UK. Yes, then I went to the UK and I was accepted into a very interesting program. It's called the Victorian Albert Foundation. It's like uh -huh. a big museum and they have like different funds. And there was also a theatre museum at Covent Garden at that time. And we were seven people. We were kind of like, they called us new writers. And it was like a, an education for one year. And after that, a director at the National Theatre mm. in London, he would direct our place for us at the, at the theatre student at the Covent Garden Theatre Museum. Mm. Yeah, so okay. I joined that for one year. And then after that, I worked for a book publisher. And I also got involved with something called the London Comedy Writers, which mm. is lots of fun. It's like... Some people work for BBC or ITV or they just write. And yeah, lots of English comedy writers. It was lots of fun. So I was involved with that as well. What part of theatre do you like the most? I mean, I hear a lot of uh, writing things, but I know that you also direct and then act as well. I, I love to direct, though. I think mm. it's natural where you've been acting for many years or been writing or been connected with theatre that you direct more and more. I think it's a natural so you think after some experience that kind of was a natural progression for you? Yeah, when I lived in Sweden, I, I wrote and directed maybe, I think it was 11 or 12 plays, something mm. like that. And then in Paris, I had, I wrote five plays and got one produced. It's not so easy to get plays produced in Paris, I want to point out. But lots of people sure. just stay in Paris and try. So it, it was difficult in Paris, but yeah, this one play... Hmm. Like that, so. What was that play that was produced? In Paris? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because that play later became my movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Oh. It was called Earthquake. I was, 1999, there was a big earthquake in Taiwan. And I was here mm. in Muza and we sat under a table, very scared, me and my two flatmates. And then I wrote a play about it. In Paris, I belong to a writer's group with the wonderful Chris Mack, who is an American film director and theater director. And he kind of gathered us as a writing group mm. in a wonderful place called the Shakespeare and Company Bookstore. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, in, yeah, it's yeah. kind of iconic in Paris. Exactly. And we yeah. were meeting there, there in a dusty little room with the cast and everything for about, I think it was almost two years, actually. Yeah. He, he started this kind of like, 
I, th- I think it was like a competition if you should write a short play. So then I wrote this play, Earthquake, as a short play. And then it was became a little longer and it was produced later on in Paris. And then I came back to Taiwan in 2010. And then I, I think it was 2016, I got interested in film. And I took a course with a man called Gordy Hoffman, who works in LA with Paul Thomas Anderson and... Yeah, but that's also just like a coincidence. I like cats, and I was tweeting his cat. <laughs> he, he, he has a competition called Blue Cat, and I tweeted his cat. And, and then he, he wrote me and said, thank you for the help with all the cat tweets. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he said, maybe you should join this course. And at that time, I was I had a broken my leg. I was very sad at home, and I said, I have no money. And I said, it's okay, you can pay later. <laughs> So he was wow. very friendly. And I said, Susan, you should be happy. You should be grateful. You're home with a broken leg. You can't move. You cannot move, go anywhere. You should, You can write a, a movie now. It's good. <laughs> this is what you need it's when perfect. you write. When you're, you're right. a writer, you need to just write. And right. I said, you cannot go anywhere. It's perfect. You can <laughs> write a screenplay for my course. Yeah. You just need to be sitting down at your desk. It's perfect. Yeah, I couldn't walk outside. I, I couldn't walk for couldn't like one, one and a half years. And they said, wow. maybe I... I will never recover. I still, my foot is still a little handicapped from that time, so it's sad. Really? What what happened? What was... Yeah, maybe I should go into it. But I worked for someone and I had to work for 21 days without any break. And I just got really, really tired and fell in the shower. Oh, wow. Let's not talk about that. We cannot talk about other people, I think. But it was, it was a bad experience, though. And then I, it wasn't in the theater. It was a business, yeah. Okay, I see. Anyway, so... In Swedish, we say nothing bad that doesn't bring anything good because mm. I was home for about one and a half years, very sad. And because that time they didn't know if I would fully recover. And I, I didn't fully recover, but it's kind of okay now. It's better, mm. yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, and then I tweeted, there was a lot of social media, and I took this course in 2016. And then I decided to try to make films myself and I made the three so far and half of the fourth we are mm. filming the fourth now of all of these courses you've taken what are your greatest memories from them what is something that you really learned a lot about maybe some memorable teacher or some particular method that you hadn't known before or what are your big kind of memories from these courses I think Philippe Gaulier is is a genius Many famous and maybe not so famous actresses went to his courses. And when you take his course, he feels kind of mean, but he's kind of joking. But it, it is, he's not supportive at all. It kind of breaks you down in a way. But he sees people. I never had a teacher that really sees through me like that. Like mm. he said, very often when I, he was very mean to many people. But when I acted, he said, quite good, but a little snob. And I th- I, I'm so sorry, but I think that's a typical way. <laughs> I'm not the perfect actor, but not that bad, and maybe a little snobbish about it. Because <laughs> I, I feel I come from a very loving and kind of very, not a rich family, but very kind of nice upbringing. I have very, I've traveled a lot and mm. artists. And, so it was kind of snobbish, it's true. And <laughs> I'm not a great actor, but maybe not too that bad either. Maybe right. okay. <laughs> And he also told me once, once we were we were we, have, we were singing, mm. and I sang a Swedish folk song, and then he said, then everyone clapped, and at Collier there are so many good actors, so it, it's not for sure that you people clap or they think mm. it's good. But that was a beautiful Swedish song, and I sang it, 
And then I said, thank you. And I, <laughs> like that. Because I felt embarrassed because normally I'm not that great at singing. And then he said, Susan, you have to learn that when you get praise, you have to be mature enough to accept it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so I, this is so at that time I was like almost 40. So I felt that, yes, because we want praise. We want to hear that I'm a good, I did a good job and that. But we also have to accept praise the few times we get it. So right. I, my second film, Ghost Love, has been chosen to, has been selected to 64 festivals. And I feel every time I post on Facebook and I little smile, like, oh, look, someone likes Ghost Love. I feel like, you know, I haven't learned. I should say, yes, I'm a film director. I, I'm on my fourth film. And this one got 64 selections, 18 awards, and I think it's 25 nominations. I haven't learned. You haven't learned? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I should just be proud and I'll say, this is me. I'm a film director. It's going well. Yes. Right. So what was that transition like? What made you kind of take that dive into filmmaking after It was after my bad leg. I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to jump around. Maybe age a little too. But it, it was my left. My left foot is still a little handicapped. I have to be a little careful. So I cannot be a stage and jump around too much. Mm. I cannot dance like that. And like So and I love to write. I love to do theater. I love actors. I love to work with actors. So... Yeah, what could I do? And then mm. this Cody Hoffman is a good teacher, I think. It's called Blue Cat, and he's in L.A. And Blue Cat is a good course, I think. Mm. Yes. Did you go to L.A.? I mean, because... No, it was online. It was, oh, seven, it was. Pe okay. seven people online for 10 weeks, and we have to finish a screenplay. It was my first feature screenplay that I finished in 2016. And how did that course work? As you were writing the screenplay, did you guys kind of workshop it together? And how does yeah, that work Yeah, we workshop online? together. We meet uh, for hours every Tuesday morning or something. Mm. And we one in London, one in New York, one in LA, I hear in Taipei. And we yeah. just talk together and read. And then we have to write. Uh, maybe it was a 10 more pages each time or something like that. Okay. And lots of criticism. And some people actually dropped out a little because... Yeah, it's tough too. It's not nice. You write and like, oh, sorry, you have to change Some everything. Strong all feedback the time. and yes, strong, yeah, strong feedback. I think. Yeah, I wrote about. I call it the lost frog, and it was like kind of cartoon. And yeah, he said, "Susan is crazy. Susan is crazy." <laughs> <laughs> but I've been an actress and I've been a journalist, so I just kept writing. I just kept writing. I'm not so. I didn't take it personal. Mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, he was nice. He said, Susan, you improved a lot. It's not crazy anymore. Mm. <laughs> so it's a good course. It's, it's a constructive course, though. I think it's good. Uh, you mentioned journalism. Can you talk a little bit about journalism? What kind of role did that play in your life? And how much of your life did you kind of devote to that? Yes, it was my dream from I was 11 years old. Mm. I I used to take the, that time we had the newspaper made of paper so i took the every time i when i came home from school i took the newspaper and uh, i don't know how to call that in english like we call it ingress in swedish the first part of the news okay news article the lead yeah the few the few lines before right. the article is called the lead, the lead L -E -D -D. i didn't know that word i should know yeah. that word <laughs> thank you mm -hmm. anyway so i took the i read all the leads in the daily newspaper called the Göteborg Posten, and then I tried to, to change them as an exercise. I did this almost every day for about half hour, an hour before dinner. 
Oh, from wow. I was 11. From 11 years old. Yeah. And then I was 15. My grandmother got me a place, nepotist, nepotist, right. <laughs> in, at, a, at a local newspaper in Värmland where she was. And the new Kristinehamsposten, the new Kristinehamsposten. Okay. So I was there for a month. And, nice. uh, uh, Chinese guanxi. <laughs> yes, it's very guanxi. Right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. so you, uh, how old were you at this time? 15. 15 and seeing how the newsroom works and feeling that. Yeah, wonderful. That's cool. Yeah, it was wonderful. And then uh, when I was in, in high school, uh, I became the elephant reporter. The elephant reporter. What yeah, does I this love, mean? I loved elephants. We, we had like an elephant club in, in high school. And uh, <laughs> we studied Latin and a little Greek. Yeah, mostly Latin and French and English. And yeah. And so, so we call it Agite Pakem Cum Elephantibus. Keep peace with the elephants. Okay, so what was this? This was a. It's not a book. It, no, it was. It was. We, we made it up because we studied Latin, and there was a key piece with that. Key piece that oh. we agiti pakem cum elephantibus. And we asked the the principal if we could paint uh, pink elephants on the walls. Wow! And we could do that too. And you did that too. Yes, we did that. Swedish, the Swedish school system is kind of free, I think. So it's kind of encouraging people to think their own way. It's good. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What are the big differences between the Swedish education system and your experience with the Taiwan education system? I think the Sweden, maybe that's the Nordic system, like Norway and Denmark and Iceland. And yeah, I'm not so sure about Iceland, but Norway and Finland and Denmark is that we don't focus so much about on testing. It's more about teamwork and personal development. So how does that work for a Taiwanese parent listening? Like, no, we need testing. We need testing. I, I don't understand. So how do you end up uh, developing into a normal human being without tests? Well, like I worked at the Swedish school too with the art and drama and stuff like that. And normally we ask the students from there, like six, seven years old, we ask, would you like to read a book? Would you like to take a walk in the forest? Would you like to do some sports? Would you like to draw something like that? And they have to choose. When the ones they've chosen, they cannot really complain because it's their choice. Right. Yeah. So that means that they end up doing something they like. It sounds like a very kind of Montessori method or something like this. But but, but yeah, but, it, but it's not Montessori. No, I think Montessori is more like you focus on yourself. But this is more like you focus on what you want to do by yourself or with other people. Hmm. And is this all schools? I mean, it's not specialized schools. This is no, just no, like no. This is the, the public so school until, system. So until until uh, the students are nine years old, maybe ten, yeah, nine, ten, they can choose. There are two teachers. So one teacher, like I was a teacher, who do take maybe twelve children to take a long walk in the forest, or play in the snow, or count trees, or paint, or build a car of wood, something like that. Wow. And then some children, they will say, I want to read, I want to write. Some children are like that. And mm -hmm. then they can do that with the teacher who stays in the classroom. And some children, like some sporty little guys, it took like maybe when they're six, seven, eight, they're always running in the forest. And then one day they decide, maybe I should sit down in the classroom today. So what about sports? Kind of yeah, physical lots, of, lots of sports. sports, I think. Lots of sports, lots of outdoor Mm. skiing and skating and forest outdoor that's very sweden mm. 
anyways. You right? have lots I mean, of forest to exactly. run around. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> There's a lot to walk around. Yeah. Finland is very special, though, because Finland's Finland's supposed to have the best school in the world, mm. and they don't have any tests, what I know of, at least. Right. What I read, because in Sweden we have t- some tests, not many, but from we are 13 years old and up to junior high school and high school, we have some tests, a few tests. But from what I read, in Finland they don't have any tests. I've heard about that as well. <gasps> but it still works, right? Yeah, exactly. So what were those tests? Do you remember? I mean, your your tests, the few tests that you do take? Many tests were like, uh, we could have the book okay. when we do the test. So, like we call so, it so open one, book so, test. So one test, yeah. So one test is maybe it's like history and we, we have to know where in the book can we find that information about this. So it's very low pressure anyways. Well, if you have a thick book, you have to know where to oh, look for right. it. So you, have, you still have to read the book. It's like being a journalist in a way. You still have to do some research and then, okay, so about that. I know it's over here. So why, you know, your dream since you were 11 years old was to be a journalist. Why didn't you continue to pursue that? Oh, I continued. I okay. continued. I was the elephant reporter. I went to, right, right, right. I went to that time there were lots of circuses. So every time the, a circus came to the city, I, I was a circus reporter. I went to write about the, especially I went to interview the person who handled the elephants at the circus. Oh, wow. So maybe in two years, two, three years, I wrote about maybe 20 circuses. That came to Sweden. So came to this little city where I lived. Oh, where that I went little to school. city. Yes. Also, I was a rock reporter. Yeah, so I went to the rock club and the circuses. Hold on. Rock meaning rock and roll or rock as in a no, stone? No, rock like, like the like pop, like I mean, the bands. Okay, went, yeah, like <gasps> rock music, rock and roll. Yeah, so I was like, I'm not the groupie, I'm the reporter. I'm not the groupie, <laughs> I'm the reporter. <laughs> I see. So yeah. were you more groupie or reporter? What is I, the honest I was truth? the reporter, but sometimes okay. they were very cute. I wish I was, <laughs> I was the groupie too. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I think Swedish rock band, I interviewed some famous Swedish rock band. They were really cuties. They were sweethearts. Yeah. Mm. Then one day, it was a very small local newspaper, they said, when I went to high school, uh, the prime minister, Olof Palme, should have a press conference about uh, nuclear power. Mm. And no one could go. There were so many other things happened at the newspaper. So they said, we have to send the elephant reporter. <laughs> the elephant <laughs> reporter went to... The to press conference the with, the, pre- with the prime minister. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then I prepared this well. And I, this is terrible, maybe. But it's, it's, yeah, it's a long time ago. But I actually got the highest grade in social science because of my... My interview with the newspaper with this oh, prime minister. Okay. I, at least I think it was. Yeah, it was part of the. It paid off. Yeah, it's part covering paid the off. prime minister. Yes, I suddenly seemed so intellectual. I think. <laughs> so, how old were you at this time? Eighteen. Eighteen years old. How did that feel when you were there? Were you intimidated at all by that situation? No, no, were he's you? a very sweet guy. He was a very sweet man. And uh, I got like a little, how to say, a little tete-a-tete with him before mm. because I was hiding in a flag. I read some newspapers, how to, I mean, some maybe books about journalists and they were young and like that. So uh, before the press conference, he was supposed to have a speech. We had a speech and I was hiding in one of those red flags. I kind of just... Jumped you were just out like there. draping yeah, yourself was, in the yeah, flag. Yeah, I was like hiding. I was so, I'm quite short, so I just jumped out there and I and I got a few words with him oh, before no the way. speech. Yes, I got a few quotes from him. 
that was okay. so they were only mine. And then he had the speech, and that was like the normal press conference. Wow. So I felt very, very wonderful. <laughs> it's very silly, I know, but it's, it's a fun memory, though. <laughs> So, yeah, it sounds, I mean, because I think a lot of 18-year-old people would be quite intimidated by that situation, but it seems that you are not shy at all, your personality. Uh, <laughs> is there a reason for this? Uh, do you think it's kind of your education or your upbringing, maybe your family, or it's just your personality? I think I was quite shy, though, but I, I feel, mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I have a strong mind sometimes, mm. I think. Okay. <laughs> so I really want to do that, so I did it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just fight through it. Yeah, silly, but it was it was fun though. He was kind of surprised that it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> this thing jumping out of the red flag. <laughs> yeah, and also we don't have that kind of security in Sweden, so it's mm. like it's pretty easy just know, to right? catch him. Couldn't yes. do that to an American president, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, but he was a very nice, Olaf Palme, he was a very nice man, though, so he, and I was young, and like, long blonde hair, like, so he, he thought it was fun, I guess. <laughs> okay, speaking of Sweden, what are some things that, what are some interesting things that you can share with the audience about Sweden that most people might not know? Right, um, I think what's very special is that we think we come from a tree, Mm. Don't don't we all? <laughs> well, <laughs> at least we do. <laughs> so this is like this is the myth of the foundation of Sweden, or it's a religion. Okay, our culture is about maybe five thousand years old, and the first four thousand years, this was our religion. It's still the religion for some. A folk people. religion, like a Nordic folk religion. Yeah, it's it's a real religion. It's still in Iceland. I think they still have it. Wow. And those gods, they're more like ideals for us, and we think we come from this tree. What is Ig this tree Yggdrasil. like? Yggdrasil. 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 Yes, we are. We care very much about our nature, our forest. Does this tree? have some kind of physical characteristic is it a specific type of tree what does it look I, like is I, I it think like it's called it's an ash tree oh okay an ash tree okay. and also the first two people on earth we think come from the tree and are those two people adam and eve or no no are, they're asking edna they come from or ask oh i forgot what it is uh oh it's how dare Asken you edna. Yeah, it's terrible <laughs> I, I i'm actually a swedish teacher and i uh, I, I teach Swedish and I, I, I have this book all the time. I forgot. Edna is the woman, and I think it's asking Edna, is it? Yeah, I think it's us, yeah. Oh, so it actually <laughs> is quite close to Adam and Eve. Is, it, is there some kind of uh, connection there? It's a big difference because mm. uh, Eve is born from a man's rib, rib and right, those yeah. come at the same They come at the same time. Oh, come at the same time from the tree? Yes. Okay, where. Where in the tree do they come from? Do they fall out from the top? Actually, there are many different stories. There are many different because it's, it hasn't been written down. It's just been told. Oh, so there are many different oral, verses. Yeah, yes. right, right. Oral One tradition. version is that like some branches from this uh, Yggdrasil just fell into the sea, and then those branches just stood up on the beach. Oh wow! Something like that. So, are there other? Gods? Are there other kind of nature gods? Is there a yes. leaf god and There's a Thor, a and mushroom and, god, and in, 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 in the oh, war Thor, god, and, and in in the, in English we say Thursday, and that's 
That's his day. Oh, that's Thor's day. Yes, Thor's day. It's, it's from the Vikings who lived in in England that time. There's so many Viking words in in the English language. Actually, uh, we have Friday come from Freya or a love goddess. Oh, Freya's the love goddess. Yeah, so Friday is a good day to pick up people. Oh, it's her day. That's why. <laughs> Friday. That makes sense now. I have to pray to Freya. Freya. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes. wow, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, so so I think also those gods, they're very uh, and those ideals. Lots of those things we carry with us, like um, uh, like Odin's wife. Oh, uh, Odin is the the most wise god, and his wife Frigg, uh, she she is like the ideal for a Viking woman, and she owned her own house, like the man owned the boat, and she owned the house, mm. and she took care of lots of people. Oh. So our socialist system, well, I shouldn't talk too much about politics, but it's not like, yeah, we have our own system. It, we have our own history. So what is the connection with the socialist system? Well, like we have lots of, we have some beggars in or some people who come from Eastern Europe and they mm. were sitting on the street of Gothenburg. Mm. And then there was a, a teacher who said, this is just an example, this is a few years ago, and they're not refugees and they're not with, they're with the EU and they, they couldn't, support themselves so well and she said i don't want to see all those children sit on the street because it's terrible right mm-hmm. and cold winter and everything so she said why doesn't our local government just open a, a kindergarten for those children because actually our government cannot pay out money to everyone i mean you have to be in a system or a refugee or a citizen it's a little complicated but those she said those children i don't care about any system she said i don't want those children to sit on the street mm. And then she wrote in the Gothenburg Post and said, oh, we, t- we can take this house and we can open this, uh, but the government, the local government can pay and we have this, uh, those 40 children can have like normal kindergarten food and shower and sleep and whatever. And then some people complained and said, this is not our financial responsibility. And then she said, uh, we are sisters of freak. Don't be so greedy. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, it's only okay. a few years ago. And then no no more discussion. And they opened the kindergarten for those children. Right. Because they were like outside the system. But Freak said that it doesn't matter if you're outside the system or inside the system. We should show empathy and care for people. So what kind of role does this folk religion still play in, you know, kind of modern day Swedish society? That was a great I, I, example. I, but Yeah, so this is one example, because I don't read this often, but I was like, sister freak. It's mm. like, of course we can have a kindergarten for those children. So, yeah, I, I'm not so sure. One Another one is called Allemansrätten, the, the right that we can pick berries and mushrooms everywhere in Sweden. Mm. And even though it's private land, we can camp one night in a tent. Mm. Oh, wow, that's cool. So you can, we say like the, like the earth belongs to everyone, so you cannot stop anyone to camp on your land. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. So it really seems like this kind of modern day socialist system is deeply intertwined with this folk Yeah, this religion. is the rule of Frigg, the, right. the wife of Odin from 5,000 years. Wow. I see. Okay. Are there other religions like Christianity, you know, kind of more main mainline uh, religions Yeah, we don't as well? have any state religion. Uh, mm. So I, 
I, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure there are all kinds of religions in Sweden now, or maybe no religion. I think we right. love the forest. That what brings us together. That is, that is a religion. <laughs> yes, that, that is the most. But of course, there are churches, and we used to be Protestants, and we were also Catholic like mm. a thousand years ago. So religions come and go. I think, but yes. we always we love the forest and the tree we came the tree, from. Tree, of course. <laughs> nice. Oh yes. wow, that's awesome. Okay. So back to Taiwan, and then also your kind of film career. What was your first film? My first film is called uh, Love Ghost. Love Ghost. So that's basically an earthquake. Uh, it's a theater play that I was produced and performed in Paris, and uh, I took that play and tried to make it a film as a ex- as an exercise. Okay. And then what I saw, what I learned, was that in in film. We only see things with one eye, the camera eye. Right. In theater, we have so many different angles, and mm-hmm. but but then it became a film about the love ghost instead because we kind of focused on her. Mm, okay. And the love ghost is very sad because my mother died when I was quite young. She died actually after I've been in Taiwan the first time. Okay. Yes. So you weren't able to be with her at that time. No, I was with her at that time. Oh, okay. uh, she died in 1985, so I, I was in Sweden, but that's also the reason I, I felt I wanted to come back to Taiwan, because I felt part of my Swedish life disappeared with oh, my mother. Yes. Wow, so that's okay. why I felt this, yeah, I felt the Taiwanese friends, those friends and family, whatever I had, I felt I felt very close to them. Right, so they might have kind of filled that void in some way for yeah, you. Yeah, in some way, I'm sure they that actually so uh, yeah anyway so love goes it's also it was it's very philosophical i don't know how to make it this very easy no uh, let's go deep but but i felt that <laughs> i felt that sometimes when someone dies that mm. we are very close to we can still feel them and love goes is like a mix of an, a garden like an angel like we say when someone we love or loved us a lot dies like mm-hmm. my mother i felt like she's an angel that looks after me and also in in the culture where I live now in Taiwan, uh, there's a ghost belief. Like in the mm. temples, there are ghosts. Right, and ghost month, even a full month devoted to ghosts. But I felt my I felt that just because it's a ghost, it can be a good ghost. It can be like a mix between an angel and a ghost. Right. So my ghost is not a scary ghost. It's a mix. It's a good ghost. It's right. Like in Taiwan, a, it's pretty scary. So, so, but my ghost that I made my three films about is right. about a loving ghost, a ghost that that loves us and wants us well. So I right. kind of invade, invented, I kind of invented right. my own ghost, <laughs> <laughs> probably because I I felt I needed one, maybe. Mm, yeah. So that is the love ghost that actually came originally from that earthquake story, right? Yeah. So that became the first film. So it, it's very much like the earthquake and the. The love ghost comes to pick up the souls after the earthquake. Okay. Earthquake. The second one I kind of developed, and then uh, it's about a it's like an American guy and his girlfriend dies in a car accident and he misses her a lot. And the the mother of the girl, the Taiwanese girl, and the Taiwanese mother, the mother wants him, the American guy, to marry the dead girl. Right. So. <laughs> This film is called Ghost Love. Yeah, right? that's Ghost Love. And for some reason, people like this story. It's not a ghost story. It's, it's very sad. The, the American man in the, in the film, he's, he's very sad. He lost his girlfriend. And the Taiwanese mother is very worried. Mm. And then she dances in the temple. I want to... Tina Shu is my love ghost star in all three films. And she, uh, she's a dancer. 
Tina Xu, and she has her own school in Taichung. I make mm. a little promotion here. Yeah, of course. And she's an expert, I think, in all kinds, many kinds of dances, but especially Taiwanese. Uh, some traditional dance. traditional dance so she made an amazing dance performance in the, the temple and i think I know. that's part of why it's so successful i'm sure it's because I, of her tina I, Shu. I agree yeah tina, tina Shu, and it's spelled hsu right hsu and she has a school in taichung do you know the name of the school tj okay tj tj okay tj studio Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you sent me a, a link to the the film Ghost Love, and I I watched it, and I was gonna say that that scene is one of my favorite scenes in that short. Thank film. you so much. Yes. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Tina is a star, and she's so diligent. And in the third film that I have sent to some festivals, now it it hasn't been screened yet. It's called Ghost Free, and there she actually plays a therapist. Uh, like a psychologist and she's helping uh Gannon is an American businessman who has he, his girlfriend is chasing him in his dreams so he wants to be free he wants to be ghost free and oh. Tina I must I must uh, talk a little about Tina here because Tina doesn't speak so much English but because she's so diligent and she always rehearses a lot and she acts with her eyes her body mm -hmm. she has such focus so yeah she's actually acting in English Oh wow! <laughs> in this, in the Ghost Free, the last, the third one that we haven't seen yet at the I sent it to festivals, but we, it hasn't been accepted yet. Okay. <laughs> and and then when I posted the photos about her, just when we had filmed, there were two New York producers who said, "Wow, this girl has such focus! Like, where can we find her?" Mm. And I told Tina, "It's like ah, but it's in English." Right, right. <laughs> So just saw her and like, wow, we want this woman. So she's amazing. She's my Ooh. star. How did you find her? It was kind of like culture event in here in Taipei. And she was like helping out. And she said, I said, oh, what do you do? What do you do? She said, I'm a dancer. She's very humble. She said, yeah, I'm a dancer. If you need someone to dance or I can just help you, I come along. Mm, and then okay. she's the star. And then ends up being so the humble. star. Tina Shu, HSU, <laughs> with the dance studio. Yeah, she's. She she's, was awesome. She's awesome. And she's. I think she didn't think of that our film, she didn't maybe say, she maybe didn't accept that our film would go all over the world like that. Right. So. She didn't have many expectations. So. <laughs> we, we, we all didn't have so many expectations, I think, because I feel that I, I'm very surprised myself, I must say, because I thought that it would take at least a few films, short films, to. To reach out mm. and this is only my second film so i'm like oh right. <laughs> yes i know where to go from here <laughs> and actually the first two films like this one's cool in kolkata um, in india in a film school and another one in greece and they they show those two films in their uh, they say like not curriculum but like to study other other filmmakers. Oh wow! They asked me if they could show it for their film school students. Okay, so it's study. being studied as well. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> maybe they study how to not make movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's not about wow. Of course, uh, my dream is to make. My goal is to make feature one day. But my goal is also to connect with lots of Indian filmmakers all over the world. And thanks to Ghost Love, I, mm. I've done that. I have every week I have a few filmmakers or producers, they write to me and ask, oh, we heard about Ghost Love or 
we seen goes down in this festival or mm. because 64 festivals is quite a lot so i guess right. uh, many of them are online so hmm. is there a connection in terms of the story between these three ghost films no they're totally independent, independent. the only thing is that uh, in all three films it's about a person who is not here anymore in our real life right. and who's dead and that we feel that they're very present. Right, right, right. The right. first one is just this love ghost who comes to save the souls from the dying people in the earthquake. And the second one is the girlfriend who died who mm -hmm. and they miss each other and she dances in the temple and the man is very sad. And the third one is there's the, the girlfriend who died who's a little angry like, you have to marry me, you didn't marry me. And he wants to be free. This businessman feels very stressed out. So right. he wants to get rid of this feeling. And the third one is a very wonderful actress called Indri Leonardi. Okay. And she's also acting in my fourth film. Okay. And she's also a singer. So Indri Leonardi, she's going to be, she's the new little star here. She's I think. a new star coming up. I, I feel that it's true though, when they say you have to have a star attached, but it doesn't have to be a star that is famous from before, I think. Mm. So I see now that Tina Shu is my star in those three films. And now uh, Indri Leonardi, I hope to make few films with her as my star. She's, she's from Indonesia and she lives in Taipei now and she's a singer and she's a wonderful actress, really, really good. So it also seems that all of these films have the common thread of love as well. Yes. So can you tell us about that? Why, why love? Why is love so important to you? Love is important <laughs> to everyone. But I think this is actually about more like love. It's not romantic love. It's more about love in society. And for me, like I taught Swedish to more than 700 Taiwanese students. And mm. most of them are, many are private. Like I teach at the coffee shop in, in Yongha, where I live. Yeah, also like my friends here or many women I talk to, they talk about that. Maybe they're not so fond of this with the traditional marriage anymore. Mm. So I think it's so interesting. It's contradictory because Taiwan, there are so few children born in Taiwan and yeah, fewer and fewer people marry. But it's still the first thing, when I get in a taxi, it's the first question I get. Are you married? Where is your exactly. husband? Exactly. So it's a contradiction. Right. <laughs> so maybe my films are not actually about love. They are about the expectation of love and relationship and marriage. Mm. Yeah, where where did that idea come from, from Ghost Love? You know, this idea of the Taiwanese stepmother wanting the American man to marry her deceased daughter. Because this, this still happens. There are still ghost marriages, but this is a kind of sensitive area because I didn't want to make it like a ghost wedding because I'm not Taiwanese. I'm not an expert on mm. Taiwanese weddings. So I just borrowed the idea of it. Mm, so it's actually from a kind of a traditional belief or ritual. This this belief they also have in France, I think, in Spain, in oh, Africa. Wow, really? So it's actually all over the world. There was a woman here a few years ago, very wonderful. And she went all over the world and married. Yeah, she's from New York and she married men in a ghost wedding. Like and she made a documentary about it. Oh really? Okay. I think I think actually yeah her name is Maria Jun, very wonderful filmmaker. Hmm. And I think actually she was part of the inspiration too because she she went all over the world to different countries and married someone in the ghost wedding. Wow. <laughs> and then I got the idea that it is so real all over the world actually. It's not only Taiwan. Right. So have you married any ghosts yet? 
No. <laughs> no. I, I was married in Sweden, though, to a Swedish man. Mm, okay. For about eight years, yes. Okay. And then I came here to Taiwan to work at the theater. So oh, now, it's you, a now you're ghost free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty free. <laughs> Okay, so that what about the fourth film? You alluded to it. This same yeah, actress the fourth film is called My Bonus Daughter, and this is now I totally leave this with the love and ghost and this ghost story. So this is about uh, in the Nordic countries we don't say stepdaughter or stepson or stepmother or stepfather. We say bonus mother and bonus father and bonus oh, daughter and bonus. Son. So it's more it's more positive to I like be that. bonus. Yeah. In, yeah. Bonus. You have oh. a bonus in your life. You have a child in your life. Yes. So I thought that would be an interesting subject here in Taiwan because the subtext of the film is blood is thicker than water, but love is thicker than blood. Nice. That's a good one. And this is the subtext and uh, I got the idea from, um, it's, it's a blog in Sweden, it's called Daddy Daddy Daughters. And there's a gay, a Swedish gay couple, and they have this kind of wonderful family with their daughters. And some people in the beginning, and it's very popular, it's very popular, like maybe 200,000 something followers, and they post a lot. Of this and blog. And they're wonderful. It's, it's on Instagram, it's on Instagram. Okay. And... It's very happy, and it's like they talk about their lives, and it's yeah, it's very wonderful, and everyone's so happy. Just the idea of it that this is the ideal family. So ideal families can look many different ways, and they, I think, they actually wrote that sometimes. But it's another writer who wrote it too, though. There are many writers who say this in Sweden. It's not only me and this Instagram. It's a uh, yeah, blood is thicker than water, but love is thicker than blood. So, mm. but I thought it's so beautiful, and I thought mm. now when people mix all all ways, so it's good to, mm -hmm. to have a film like that. Yeah. So where uh, where are you in the process with this film? We filmed the uh, half of the film already, and if I may mention a man's name here, it's called he's called Andrew J. Fan, and he's actually an Emmy award winning cinematographer. Okay, so he's the cinematographer for the film. Yes, he's the DOP. So he worked in the in the states and won this Emmy two years ago, three years ago. And uh, yeah, then he ended up here and I contacted him and we worked together. Okay. Wow. Nice. Must and be I, good. And I can learn so many things from him. I'm so grateful. Andrew J. Fan. Andrew J. Fan. He's in Taiwan now. Okay. He's in Taipei. <gasps> yes, he's in Taipei. So you said you're in the middle of film? We are in the middle. We filmed some and we filmed some in March. Okay. And where does it take place? Is it here in Taipei? Do you have different yes, settings? Yes, it, it, it takes place in a bar in uh, Taipei. And uh, the bonus father has a bar. And then there's a boyfriend. And then there's Indri, who's Maria, who is this girl who... She doesn't feel accepted. And it's because uh, she, her father disappeared a long time ago. And she doesn't... She can't really trust that her bonus father loves her as a bonus daughter. Mm. I see. So it's that tension, trying yes, to reconcile that Yes, and the father tension. is very nice, and he really tries to <coughs> become a loving bonus father. Huh. So, yeah, it seems to me that your films are very philosophical, and it seems that you want to grapple with these kind of deeper questions in life. Yes, uh, I, I hope, yeah, maybe, I think Swedish people, maybe we have long winters, so we think a lot. So <laughs> when I make a film, I want people to react. Some people like it, some people don't like it. It's perfectly fine, but 
I want people to think. So what about after this film? Do you have any ideas? Do you have some projects that are kind of put on hold now and that you... No, I, I in June I will be in Paris and work for another production company. What is this project? Yeah, Of course, it's not my project, so I cannot talk so much mm. about it, but I will do a film in Paris in June, yes. Okay, so, I mean, what is your role on this project? I'm a director. Oh, I see, okay. So, so you'll Somebody be else asked me to direct, so it's, it's great, yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so of all of these kind of different interests of yours, which one is kind of the one that makes your heart skip a beat? And I love to be a Swedish teacher. Mm. <laughs> and I think there are some Swedish people in Taiwan, of course, but I think maybe no one really had time to sit down. And like I've written my own material and I'm very interested in what's happening in Sweden and try to connect my students so they can work in Sweden or study in Sweden or maybe meet my friends in Sweden. Mm. <laughs> so I, I feel very moved that I, yeah, I, I love Taiwan and I love my country, of course. So I, I feel very moved if I can be a spider in the net and connect our two cultures and people this sounds very important but but i think i think it's very moving when mm. some people they go to sweden and they, yeah so i i love to sit in my little cafe and talk about sweden and teach Swedish. Right. i love that i really love it so this they are all private lessons and sometimes i also go to swedish companies um, okay but, yeah. swedish companies here based in taiwan and yes okay. maybe i shouldn't name saying any names yeah, okay, but some right. big swedish companies have been there to teach oh i see so they're employees yeah taiwanese employees taiwanese employees work for swedish companies and okay. know more about swedish culture so outside of these swedish companies where i i understand you know the employees might need or want to uh, learn swedish but who else is you know in taiwan interested or uh, wanting to learn swedish yeah, I, I have like every month I have a few people writing to me mm. constantly the last 12 years. So maybe they want to study in Sweden. They want mm. to, or maybe they want to do research. Maybe they found a Swedish boyfriend or girlfriend online. Right. Maybe they're interested in Swedish culture. Like I've taught like a pianist and a few designers, quite a few engineers, mm. IT, IT engineers, doctors. Mm. I just had a doctor the other day who wants to go work in Sweden. How difficult is Swedish, do you think? If your English is good, it's not very difficult. But as mm. all languages, just think how long people study to learn English. So right. uh, my course is six months. And after that, you still have to work on your own to, to be really good. But after six months, you should be, you should be able to, to talk. Right. Oh, have wow. A, to okay. have a basic language. Basic yeah. conversation. Yeah. Basic conversation and write and read something. And what have been the biggest challenges in terms of teaching Swedish here in Taiwan? Uh, the pronunciation is very different. So, so people get a little scared in the beginning. Like we have e, u, a, we have oh, different wow. sounds. <laughs> like jag pratar svenska. I wow. speak Swedish, yes. Oh, that was I speak Swedish. Jag pratar svenska. Mm, okay the first time you said it, that ka was like kind of I, I was thinking of a chinese tone for a second there <laughs> we have but. some tones it's interesting oh do yeah you? We, ha okay. we have tones actually yeah but not as many as chinese it's, it's not like in chinese though, but we have a little kind of singing in our language it's true huh how do the tones work in swedish 
Well, that's why you need a Swedish private teacher. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Because it's very, just, there are no good rules. So, but but we, you can also speak more or less like that. But it's true. We have a few tones, though. But even though you don't follow the tones, people can still understand you. But mm. we have tones. It's true. A little few tones like that. Okay, so that's basically your kind of main source of income, and your I also give drama workshops. I go to high schools and I go to kindergarten sometimes, and I do Swedish uh, theater games. Swedish theater games. Yes, Sounds like fun. we have like the bear is sleeping, like Bjorna sover, Bjorna sover, is it lilla bo? Yeah, so it's like a, like you 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 pretend there's a bear asleep. <laughs> oh wow! And you're just crawling around. <laughs> no, he you walk around the bear and then he wakes up. So you're doing this with how how old are these kids? Sometimes high school, junior high school, and then I make them more. I add some other English, or I kind of yeah develop a little. So my education is is actually like drama teacher drummer teacher type of situation and where are these schools are they all in Taipei Taichung Tainan okay. oh nice I go all over okay but when I teach Swedish you don't need to sing or be a bear or something they <laughs> sit at the coffee shop Swedish <laughs> people like fika we call it fika it means to drink coffee or tea and take it easy Oh, that's the meaning of that word because yes. you know there's a famous coffee chain called Fika. Right. Yeah. So. So they did a good job of just taking that term and making it into fika. a brand. We think it's very important. At work in Sweden, we have twice you need to Fika every day. It's law. Like I think it's ten thirty and three o'clock. Everyone has to sit down for half hour, and you cannot bring your phone or your work. You have to talk about life or take it easy. This is the law. It's a law in Sweden. You have to do this. It's called the the fika fika break. <laughs> no way. <laughs> to relax. We think it's good for our brains to relax. That is amazing. <laughs> Which Swedish god is this connected to? <laughs> I'm not so sure. I'm sure that's right. one of them. <laughs> the fika god. The fika god. Exactly. Wow, that's amazing. How difficult do you think that would be to bring this to Taiwan? I didn't think about this. <laughs> I haven't thought about this. I, I think haven't it thought would be very this. difficult, <laughs> but that sounds amazing. And still, we get lots of things done, though, in Sweden. I mean, it's a developed country. It's, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Oh my goodness! Two times a day, you have a little siesta, you know, because fika. Yeah, fika. Wow! 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 That's amazing. Okay. It's good for our brains to relax. So I think maybe people work better when their brains are relaxed afterwards, and they learn to know their teammates. And yeah, it's nice. Oh, definitely. I mean, just overworking in general is not good for your body. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we become more efficient. Yeah. Because we work long hours. So. Exactly. So, what are some of your big concerns about the world right now? Speaking of fika and thinking and pondering and deep philosophical questions. Oh, yeah, there are so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where to start. Mm, yeah, personally, I uh, I think food is a big problem mm. because when I grew up, I joked with a friend the other day. Like when I grew up, all food. Was organic, right, and now we have to go a special <laughs> shop to buy organic food. So that's, I know that's pretty ironic, right? Yeah, I think this is not really good to, and like I drink water from a plastic bottle. Mm. Like if not, you have to drink other kind of water. And like 
yeah, like like everyone on on Earth should have clean food and clean water. So mm. It should be natural, right? It should be obvious, but it's not like that. I think in the long run, that's going to be a big problem. Yeah, it's a and I, and I don't know what to do about it. Though, right. Well, make a movie about it. Make art. I think some people did already. So I'm I've been a vegetarian the last ten years. So I. This is just because some of my good friends became vegetarians, so I just follow. Also in Taiwan, it's very easy to eat vegetarian mm, food. So right. I eat some fish sometimes, but most of the time I like to eat vegetarian food. So what about Taiwan? Why do you love Taiwan? I've read a couple articles about you, and and you profess your love very openly for Taiwan. So yeah, I love Taiwan. I I can't explain it. The first time I landed here in 1984, I. I smell Taiwan as like the incense, all the cars and the pollution and the heat. And I just felt at home. I can't explain. So does that mean you think you will be living here for the rest of your life on or off? I mean, like consistently or maybe always you think you'll always kind of find a way back even if you travel you know, abroad? Yeah, I have APRC now, so I can stay as long as I like. Right. But um, I don't plan my life a lot. So I just take day by day or year by year. But yeah, I, c- I can see how I can stay here for a very long time. How does Sweden play into this picture? Is that also, you know, kind of home to you? And do you feel kind of pulled back to Sweden sometimes? Or no, that's kind of back in your past. Obviously, it's important to you. It's part of your identity. But is it kind of in your past and now it's Taiwan or other places? Of course, I keep in touch with friends and family in, in Sweden, but I... I, I would say I love Göteborg, Gothenburg, my mm. home city. I love Gothenburg a lot because it's a very positive attitude in Gothenburg. Uh, we have something called the Göteborgsanda, the positive spirit of Gothenburg. So, oh, really? So I think Göteborg is a very special, positive place on earth, and I love that. Maybe it's not anymore. When it was when I was when I was younger and I lived there, it was very oh, we had a politician who said like oh, the positive spirit of Göteborg. We had like <laughs> city party and like everyone should help each other and we shouldn't quarrel about small silly things. And, mm. But I, I still love Göteborg. I think it's a great place to be. Yeah, it's very interesting. We actually had a guest. I think it's the 15th episode, Chinitas Cubano. It's a Taiwanese girl who opened up a Cuban sandwich store here, uh, not very far from, from our studio here. And she was on the podcast. She studied abroad in Sweden and it was in Gothenburg. Oh, was she happy in Göteborg? Yes, Göteborg? I think so. I think so. Great. And you'll have to, yeah. You have, well, <laughs> it's Cubans. Uh, I think they have a vegetarian sandwich, so you can. Uh, <laughs> I have to go get and a say vegetarian, hi. Yeah, and say hi. I, I'm sure yeah. she'll be shocked and and very happy to yeah. meet someone from Gothenburg. We have quite a few uh, South Americans, like they came as refugees or friends or to work in in Gothenburg. So sure. Nice. Cuban clubs in. Gothenburg is fun, yeah. Oh, wow, really? That's interesting because, yeah, she had studied abroad in Sweden, but she also has a deep affinity and connection with Latin culture as well. From Right. Yeah, lots, yeah I think she used to born in Gothenburg is a good place for her, I think. Wow, wow, it's wow. It's a quite friendly place, I would say. It's, it's the second place. city, right? I mean, it's there's the Stockholm city on the and, West then, Coast, yeah. and then Gothenburg. So, I mean, it's Stockholm and Malmö and the north of Sweden, whatever. I mean, it's... It's okay too, but my heart is in Gothenburg. If I would go back to Sweden, I for sure would go to Gothenburg. Right, okay. 
So speaking of that, what parts of Taiwan do you love the most? You're a Taipei Ren uh, now, but yeah, do you do you love Taipei? I mean, or do you love other parts of Taiwan more? I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't been so much in. The, I, I've I've been in the rest of Taiwan more like a tourist or visiting friends. So I think Taipei is a very interesting place to be, even though it's sometimes noisy and crowded. But mm. I think. I think Taipei is a very interesting place to be. I think Jiufen is very special. I've Jiufen been there is a few cool. Times. Yeah. yeah. What do you like about it? I think it's a very magical place. Yeah, I think uh, I brought a, a friend and his girlfriend there. They came from Sweden. Actually, the girlfriend is from Wales. Okay. And she said, "Oh, it's just like Swansea." Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Swansea is in Wales. So, I think yeah, I think Jiufen is very nice. Mm. I like the mountain and the sea is near and right the small the small little alleys and right yeah it's kind of perched on top of a hill but you have a beautiful view or sometimes a foggy view as yes. well which is quite romantic the tea houses as well yeah it's so cool here in in the Taipei I really like Bitan in Xindian you know okay, just yeah, a little bridge there I like to sit there a little I bit think, of water and I think it's super sweet yeah I like Bitan in Xindian yeah it's a very cool place the little shops on the, the little, little restaurants promenade. yes and they have waffles I like waffles. Uh, Belgian waffles. <laughs> I can eat waffles in Bita. So right. I think I'm easy going. I like the small thing. Coffee and waffles in Bita. I feel <laughs> like being on vacation. Yeah, I think Bita feels like a tourist place, even though it's in Taipei. Right, it is. It's have like you a, been to Bita? I have, I have. And then they also have the little swan boats. Oh yeah, yeah they have the little boats. It's yeah. really touristy, so we don't need to fly very far. I think right. we can go to Bita. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Are there any other kind of magical spots in Taiwan for you? Magical spots. I have to think a little here. Like, have have you been down to like Hualien or yes, Taidong I've been Hualien and Taidong, and I've been to Kunding. Mm. I've been to those places. They're all nice though, but I don't feel anything special. Okay. Okay. So, how many years has it been in total that you've lived in Taiwan? Uh, I was here uh, 1984 for half a year, and then I was here 87 to 89 in Taipei, and then I was here 97 to 2002. How many years is that? My math is very bad. And then I've been here from 2010, so seven and a half and 12. Okay. Almost 20 years. Yeah, that's quite a bit of time. Yeah, a big part of my life. It I've is a big rushing. part of your life. Yeah. I feel very much at home in Taipei. I really love it. So are you going to finally produce like a grand opus feature length film about Taiwan? Is this in the works? Is this something? Not, not about Taiwan. My plan is to, to shoot a feature here in Taiwan. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. But I must be honest, though, it's very difficult to make a good movie. Uh, anyone can make a, a movie, even a feature, but to make a good movie is difficult. So I think I'm on my fourth film and my fifth film in Paris. So after this summer, I have five films, directed five films. So right. maybe after seven films or something like that, I'd be brave enough okay. to direct a feature. To dive in and make a big one yeah i've written it already so oh okay yes. so it's there <laughs> it's there but it's uh, and i also contacted actually two a-list uh, actors two oh. swedish actors oh wow okay so it's a swedish themed film here in taiwan a film here in taiwan with two swedish a-list actors 
Oh, wow. I hope. Yeah, yeah at least right, we're talking. Yeah, so it's my plan. <laughs> in the film industry, I think everyone talks a lot on plans. So I, I, maybe I shouldn't say anything until it's in production. Huh, <laughs> so you can't give us a little bit of a sneak peek <laughs> about the synopsis? What is it about or the theme? or? Um, it's fraud. It's a charity fraud. Charity fraud. Foreigners who do... This is actually a real experience, so... Charity fraud, experience of foreign charity fraud with Swedish actors. Right. Swedish actors. And also American actors and Taiwanese actors, and maybe French actors. So I haven't decided how to do it yet, but it's, it's going to be like a thriller. So okay. it's difficult to make a thriller. So I feel a little embarrassed to talk about it because, you know, people in the movie industry, they talk and talk and talk. Right, so, right, so before right, right. I really have all the fans and I'm here in production, the actors are mm. here ready to shoot. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm That's not sure. perfect. So when that happens, you'll come on again and we'll we'll talk about it. Sure. Maybe yeah. even earlier if, exactly. I, if, if I have some <laughs> other success, I hope. Right. Bring, yeah. the, bring the Swedish stars here. Also, well, <laughs> thank you. When I, uh, when I I also been in Bali and I was supposed to, to direct a film in Bali two, three mm. years, three years ago before the pandemic. And then I said, oh, do you know about this? I just started to research this with charity fraud. And they said, oh, here in Bali, we have lots of charity fraud. So I think in oh. Sweden we don't have that a lot because we have lots of uh, rules and regulations right. if they're open but I think charity fraud is something that is not talked about mm. a lot in the world and there, there are many different ways there are like legal way to kind of make charity fraud and there are like because there are so many charities in the world yeah. and what actually is happening with charities I think it's very interesting exactly yes. so also I think lots of how to say this in a polite way, but I think lots of Westerners who come to Taiwan or maybe to the Far East, it's a little like the Wild West mm. a long time ago. Like not everyone is honest and kind or whatever. There are many kinds of, what do you say, like luck seekers. They just think of themselves pretty to just go for it, to mm. make themselves happy. Right. So I think there was a Wild East, maybe Wild West in the Wild West time, 200 years ago in the States. And now it's sometimes a little like the Wild East here. The Wild Wild East. Yes, the Wild Wild East. So, exactly. So many things happen behind the, <laughs> behind the curtains. Exactly. And I think I also had some, some bad experience, some good experience, some lots of different experience. And I think we can all use our experience to create art and make it interesting for other people to know more about the wild, wild East. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Beautiful. That's the beautiful thing with being an artist. You don't need to be bitter or whatever. Just use it in your art. Mm, be happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel that you embody that spirit. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel a little embarrassed talking so much about myself. <laughs> no, you are you are the woman of the hour. <laughs> that is the purpose. Um, Thank you. So maybe before we go, I was thinking we can play a little bit of a lightning round. I will ask you some quick questions. Nothing serious. Just have some fun and try to answer them as quickly as possible. Okay. What do you think? Are That's you great. ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Meatballs or meatloaf? Meatballs. Lingonberry or strawberries? Lingonberry. Sweden, Norway, Finland or Denmark? Denmark. Oh, wow. <laughs> you took me by surprise there. Ingmar Bergman or Akira Kurosawa? 
Akira Kurosawa. Oh wow! How dare you? You are you are spitting on Sweden right now. <laughs> Best Kurosawa film.、Uh, the Seven Samurai. Okay, nice, nice. Texting or talking? Talking. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to speak to animals? Speak to animals. Favorite holiday? Meditation retreat. Is it wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? No. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Eight. Eight. Okay. What is your deepest secret? I'm keeping it. Good job. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Stone Age and be free in the wild. Do you believe in fate? Yes. Why? Because I think many things happen to me in my life that I couldn't explain, both good and bad. So I believe in the love of the universe and faith. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> be careful about your answer. This is a very dangerous question. <laughs>、yeah. I'm scared to answer it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Who has it easier, men or women? Neither. Favorite Taiwanese food. Tofu. Would you want to live forever? No. Giving presents or getting presents? Giving presents. Worst thing you've ever done. Oh, do you want a list? <laughs> yes, <laughs> top five. <laughs> It depends. It works in what way, though. Do you mean worse for me or worse for other people? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that's true. Worse for you first. Worse for me, I think, was when I was very tired in 2014 after working the one days in a row, and I fell and broke my leg in three places.、Mm. That was very bad. It was changed my whole life. From I cannot dance anymore, and like that's very bad for me. I think. Worse for other people. That's tough. I think I think my ex-husband was very sad when I suddenly left him. <laughs> let's 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 stop it like with that. Exactly. <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> Stay tuned for that story later. That might、let's, be in another. Let's, let's not talk about、film. that.、Yes. Exactly. Let's not talk about that. Okay. And then maybe we'll end on a positive note. The best thing that you have ever done. Best thing for me or for other people? Oh, for you. I think both for me and for other people was that when I left Sweden a long time ago, I sold two houses and I had quite a lot of money, and I lent and gave away quite a lot of money to people who needed it and who、oh, wow. didn't have the money. And I gave away lots of things. And when I lived in Paris, every time I got my salary, I gave one hundred euro to a homeless man who lived at the Gare du Nord station. And I think when I did that, I felt very good about myself because I felt I shared.、Mm. And I hope that one day other people will share with me, and they did. People do. So I think when you have things to give them away, is yeah, it's also very selfish because you will always get it back.、Mm, right. Right. I think that's a beautiful note to end it on about sharing, right? So sharing. Yeah, I want to thank you very much for coming here and sharing with me and with the audience your stories, and I'm sure you will receive much back as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Bye bye.